Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I think all of us have had a desire in our lives to just be at peace with each other. It's always been something I think we've wanted and it kind of makes us human and makes us feel connected. And we always want to feel reconciled to each other. I think every son wants to feel like he's been made at peace with his dad and every daughter with their mother. And yet all of us, we have tough relationships and we have to learn how to figure out how to navigate and and even fix some of the most difficult relationships because it is, let's face it, and a very important part of God's plan for us to walk in the newness of life in Christ. My guest is P. Brian Noble. He's written a new book called Living Reconciled, Seven Ways to Bring Peace to Your Most Difficult Relationships. Brian, welcome. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, thanks for making time and uh, writing this book. I think it's an important book, and we can learn a lot from you today in this short time we have, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's gonna be, we'll have a great adventure ahead of us. We'll, we'll talk about how do we reconcile when the other person just doesn't want to. I mean, you know, that's oftentimes the case. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, I think as we, as we think about how relationships are difficult, you know, in Chapter 1 I talk about be real. It's, it's, it's a tough, tough <laughs> world that we live in. And so um, to really sit down and think about the realities of, you know, we're, we're in a tent, as he says, in, in, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. And, uh, and just to think about how, you know, I, I think about my relationship with my dad. Uh, that's why I put P for Paul. His, you know, we're both called Paul, Paul Bryan and Paul Wallace. Uh, and I, do, I put that there to say, you know what, I am reconciled with my dad completely. I may not understand his parenting techniques those kind of things. Uh, I may not understand, you know, this temporal world that we live in and how he interacted with me as, as I was growing up. But uh, I do know that, uh, that we, we, ha- we, have, we can have difficult times and relationships, and yet we can still live reconciled with them. Yeah, Brian, we all want peace for sure. Uh, why do we struggle so much with conflict in our relationships? Is it selfishness? What is it? Uh, well, I think it is uh, partially self- selfishness. It, it, I think the bottom line is the simpleness of humanity. You know, um, it comes down to the, uh, the, the, the world that we're living in is, is it, it, we think at some point like, hey, maybe it's just going to get better. And at times it gets worse. I know that sounds really like depressing and downhearted, <laughs> but if you begin to think like, hey, this is supposed to be like heaven right now, that's where a lot of depression comes oh, in. Yeah. The reality reality is we're in a spiritual battle right now and um it is tough our fallenness our selfishness our desire to be right and to to be liked and there's a lot of motivating factors that go on inside of us drive us to uh, broken relationships and yet god provides a clear plan and and path of how 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 to uh to, to reconcile those relationships even if the other person doesn't want to mm-hmm Brian, when I think of people in conflict, and it's an earthly relationship, and we're in conflict, and we face them often, 
How does that affect our relationship with God when, when we're in that earthly conflict with others? I, I've seen a lot of people um, distance themselves to God. I've seen a lot of times uh, where people blame God for their, for their problems um, and, and really do the opposite of what God's counseled. Like if you look at the story of Cain and Abel in the Old Testament, you know, God's first counseling session, and, you know, Cain goes out and murders his brother. Um, so doing the opposite of what God uh, counsels to, uh, for Cain to do. And, and the reality I think that we have to come back to is that this temporary world is not 100% redeemed yet. I mean, we are still in that battle place, and we're looking forward to uh, the day that, that we're, we're in heaven. We're in the presence of God. And that's what Second, you know, Second Corinthians 5 talks about uh, quite a bit, is that eternal perspective. And so um, I always tell people, at your greatest need, don't run from God, run to him. Um, you know, this is not a time to blame God. This is a time to proclaim God's goodness, his mercy, his grace, his favor, his awesomeness, his glory over the situation, even when our circumstance seems uh, exactly contrary. Mm -hmm. Brian, starting a healing process in a relationship that's been strained for a long time can be horrifying, can be a very scary first step, and you can come up with a lot of reasons to put it off, like, oh, like there's TV on tonight. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, you can yeah, come up with just about anything. So yeah. what do we need in order to make that first step? Well, it's kind of like what my uh, pastor told me when we, Tanya and I, my wife, were first married. I said something like, I'm not sure I'm ready to have kids yet. And he's like, you'll never be ready, right? I mean, the, the fact is there's not a perfect time to, to, to have children. There's not a perfect time to... I get married. There's not a perfect time for any major thing in our life, including reconciliation. The, the adventure that you go on when, when, when you decide, you know what, I'm going to begin to embrace God's forgiveness and, and the work that Christ has done on the cross, the, the enemy is not going to like that. He's going to throw every obstacle at you to keep you from wanting to do that, whether it's, like you said, you know, watching TV or a football team, or, or maybe he'll throw in different conflicts your way. And yet I, I always say it's never too late to start reconciliation. And that starts with a heart posture before God to say, God, you're able and you desire, you've given me that ministry uh, to, to reconcile. And, and, and so we can begin to walk in that, those, those truths. And it really does start with that beginning inside of ourselves before we even have to do anything with the other person. Yeah, I'm curious about the first step. If it's going to be a scary one and you need to make the initial contact, what do you recommend? Is it uh, a, a, a text message that says, hey, I've been thinking about you for a while? Do you just say, look, can we meet for coffee? I mean, I know it's going to be different for every situation, but right. you, want, you want it to be taken seriously. You want them to know, hey, I'm, actu- I'm actually doing a, a very serious step forward here. And you may not receive it well, but I'm going to at least do my best. What do you recommend in terms of making that first step, something they identify as, oh, they mean business? Yeah, and with this first step, I always want to put this one caveat. There is such thing as domestic violence and abuse. And so uh, we want to be careful of those extreme situations and cases. Of course. Uh, to, to, to your listeners, never to put someone in harm's way. It may be good to recruit someone right off the bat to go with you. It's a, it's a safe environment. So outside of that, um, I, I think that that first step, that initiating contact, 
um, to find a place and say, you know, I've been really thinking about our relationship. I value it, and I'd love to to hear what you're thinking of it, maybe maybe how I broke relationship with you or hurt you, and have a dialogue with, is this a good time? And the reality is sometimes people are just not ready. And, and, I, and I have found where we tr- people try to force that, try to make it – because they want the tension from their life, but the other person's not ready. So they, they take the tension that they're having and say, well, I, you need to serve me to get rid of this thing. Instead of resting in God's sovereignty, that there's going to be a day and a time um, when you get to talk. And so initiating is scary. I, I typically don't recommend through text. Uh, at minimum, a phone call, right, a minimum – um, uh, even better is face to face. Hey, can mm-hmm. we sit down and have some time to talk? Um, not not to do a selfish plug, but our our Peacemaker app, Peacemaker Ministries, you just search that in Google Play. It actually you click a button, say Start Navigating Conflict, and it tells you the, that first step how to do it. <laughs> and so uh, the app is very helpful to to kind of just lay out um, how to have a conversation mm-hmm. and 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 to um, take those first initial steps. Yeah, repeat the name uh, of that app again, Brian. It's Peacemaker Ministries. If you search it in uh, Apple. Peacemakers uh, Ministries? Yeah, Peacemaker Ministry. Peacemaker Ministries. Yep. Okay, yep. thank you. And thank you can you just search that. it. It has the little crosses that, you know, are shaking hands. And, uh, and so um, it's just a great starting point. And here's what I tell people. If, if, you, can't, um, if you can't agree, like, how to start the conversation, say, can we at least agree, uh, agree on some ground rules, how we're going to talk? You know, can we agree to be polite, kind of thoughtful? Um, can we agree to listen well, you know, be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak? And, and after we have those kind of agreements that we're going to serve each other in this conversation, then maybe we can start talking about the emotional memories and the different things that go through our, you know, through the situation. Um, and so the app kind of walks you through that from beginning to end, uh, nice. how to have that kind of conversation. Nice. Yeah. Brian Noble is my guest. Uh, Brian, is it possible to move forward in sort of a healing way in a relationship where the other person is just not interested in reconciling? Yeah, so the the point of this new book that I just wrote, it, Living Reconciled, is that very um, concept. It's either maybe I, maybe I try to have a conversation, it didn't go well with the person, Maybe the other person's not even interested in having conversation. And um, the focus of the book is to say, if the work of reconciliation is 100% based upon the cross, then I'm able to start that process despite what the other person may do or not do, uh, or what I may do or not do in the conversation. I can begin the pre-work of getting my heart right before God to know that um, that, that I can do things that glorify God and bring honor to his name and look through a lens. And so there's seven courageous attitudes that we teach you uh, to walk in so that no matter how the other person responds or has responded, you can begin to have a heart of reconciliation towards that other person. Mm, okay, so you've got seven courageous attitudes. Can you share a couple of them in about 90 seconds? Absolutely. Perfect. The, the, yeah, they all go from uh, Second Corinthians chapter five, and the first one is 
for the love of Christ controls us. No, no, we're so, gonna we're gonna take a little break, oh. but then when we come back, I'll have you share them. Is that okay? Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, I didn't Absolutely. want to turn you into a, a, a panicky Las Vegas act. I had to try to cover <laughs> seven no, seven great. of his most important points in ninety seconds. That wouldn't be fair. So yeah, let, that's great. let me do that. Brian Noble is my guest. His book is Living Reconciled: Seven Ways to Bring Peace to Your Most Difficult Relationships. We'll be right back. I'm so glad to have Brian Noble talking about his new book called Living Reconciled, Seven Ways to Bring Peace to Your Most Difficult Relationships. And guess what? He's made five copies of his book available for you. So if you want to get in on a drawing to get one of Brian's book uh, books, all you have to do is text that word book to 877-933-2484. Again, just text the word book to 877-933-2484 and we'll gather all the names and then we'll do a drawing for Brian's new book, Living Reconciled, Seven Ways to Bring Peace to Your Most Difficult Relationships. All right, Brian, let's talk about seven courageous attitudes. Let's do it. So these all come from 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5. And the first one is, you are controlled by Christ's love. And um, Paul clearly says that uh, for the love of Christ controls us. And this is a proclamation of faith, isn't it? Because I know when I'm in conflict, sometimes I think something else is controlling me and not necessarily Christ's love. Um, But when I'm in those relationships, I can begin to choose. uh, If someone else um, doesn't want to reconcile, I can begin to pray and choose that I'm going to be controlled by God's patience, by Christ's uh, humility, by his willingness to die to self, you know, and that love of Christ that's inside of me because the Prince of Peace dwells inside of me. I can begin to have that courageous attitude like Christ has, um, that uh, his love controls us. All right. How about another one? So another one would be that we recognize no one according to the flesh any longer. And this is why the work is not based upon um, the other person. Um, You can either be a person that says, you know, I'm only going to see the other person's fallenness and or their contribution to the conflict or how evil they are, or how, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But we, we can begin to say, listen, God's got a, doing a work in that person as well. And so Paul says very clearly, he says, and he died for us so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for us. And so we recognize no one according to the flesh any longer. And so to that, so when you think about that, that courageous attitude of not recognizing the other person according to their fallenness, it is freeing. You begin to say, God, what are you doing in them? How are you working upon them? Uh, what, how are you changing and transforming their lives? Because, um, because you have embraced that attitude of, I'm not going to look at their flesh. I'm going to look at what God's doing in their life. And so that's a courageous attitude to have. To no longer live for yourself is a courageous attitude to have. Uh, that we, we no longer live for our own desires or our own uh, well-being, but we simply say, I'm going to live to glorify God in this relationship and and to turn things around. So I, I look at these as like 
our, our prayer time, our, our time of before I have to interact with this person or even how I think about this person, um, to do that pre-work of, of okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to have some interaction with them, and, Lord, I'm not going to begin to try to find out what's wrong with them. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to be controlled by your love uh, flowing in and out of my life. So that's the first three. Uh, you're controlled by Christ's love. You're, you no longer live for yourself, and you recognize no one according to the flesh. All right, Brian, we certainly want to be able to be sharing our voice and our hearts and our, our feelings with people as well. I mean, I love this, that you're, you no longer live for yourself. You want to live for Christ. Of course, I always get that. But sometimes in conflict resolution, don't you have to uh, be particular about at least sharing your side of the story to, to make the story uh, in a place where it can be discussed and, and hopefully reconciled? Absolutely. And okay. that's where, like, like in the app, we say tell, everyone tells their perspective or tells a story. This book specifically is written so if the other person doesn't want to talk. Like, what do I do if they just, or they're dead, right? I mean, we've had people say, I don't know what to do. My, my relationship with my dad ended horribly, and he's, he's dead. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do anything. How do I change my heart and my mind? Um, so th- another book I've written called The Path of a Peacemaker really talks about Tell your story, share your core values, take responsibility for the conversation, make and implement a plan for change. And so that walks you through that, how to have that conversation. This says, now the other person doesn't want to, what do I do? I can't just sit here and uh, be bitter the rest of my life. And so uh, this is is where it it begins to say, you know what, I'm not going to be a victim of the other person's unforgiveness. I'm going to begin to embrace them the way that God embraces me. And, and, and uh, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm going to start exercising humility today so that so I'm not controlled by their bitterness or their unforgiveness or lack of desire to talk. Yeah, it's a pretty mature attitude. Well, it is. And, it, and, it, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's something like we have to practice. Yeah. We have, right? Yeah. So uh, it's like if, if I wanted to be good at baseball, I would have to go out and practice being good at baseball or basketball or whatever. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the desire to do that at my age, uh, and, and probably beyond the skill set. But um, but it would take some practice, and this does take practice to do that. Yeah, when you talk about having feelings toward like your dad, who you can't really do any reconciling with now because he has passed away. I'm not talking about your dad in particular, but I'm just saying right. you've got a loved one that you can't reconcile with. Uh, let's talk about reconciliation just with an eternal perspective in mind. Yeah, and this eternal perspective is—I I like to say to like to married couples, you'll have um, more time with that person, whole and complete, in the presence of God, than you will ever have in this fallen world. And if we truly believe in eternity, now I know I know some will say, well, what if they're not a Christian, or what if they're not saved, or you know, they 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 throw in the, those kind of attitudes and, and and kind of things. And if they passed away, obviously that's between uh, them and the Lord. Um, but let's assume it's two believers, and, and with the idea that in the presence of God, all things are made right, and justice comes, and, and grace comes, and mercy comes, and you know, everything's made right. Um, then we're going to have more time with our, with our loved ones in the presence of God, whole and complete, than we ever are going to have in this fallen world. And, and I, I like to tell the story of my daughter, Isabella, who's disabled, never walked, never talked you know, uh, tray, G-tube, nursing care, ICUs, all that kind of stuff. And I like to say, listen, I can either be depressed about today and the disabilities that she has, or I begin to gain an eternal perspective. I'm going to have more days with her 
where she is saying, I love you, Dad, where she is saying, uh, you know, dancing in the presence of God, and she is talking to me, and, uh, you know, those kind of things. And the same thing with our conflict. Some things on this side of heaven um, are, are very difficult to see a reinstated relationship, uh, but we can always embrace an eternal reconciliation that is on its way. Wow, what a, what a beautiful thought, Brian. Thank you for sharing that. In heaven, I will love to see you and her fellowshipping together and her calling you a, a dad. That'd be kind of kind of cool. <laughs> well, and I'm thinking like, she's probably going to be like, dad, you got to talk all the time when you're <laughs> on earth. I did it. Now yes. you got a zip it wonder boy and I'm going to Right. <laughs> no, in heaven, I'll take you guys out for ice cream someday. Is that a deal? That's great. I love it. Okay. Love it. How important is repentance in the healing of our broken relationships? Oh, Everything, and, and I think repentance, it's really uh, important that we distinguish between saying, I'm sorry about that, and true repentance. So repentance is showing remorse for, for our sinful action that we've done towards someone else and turning from that sinful action, right? So it's a turning away from it and walking in the newness of life that Christ uh, produces. So it's, it's 100% important if we want lasting um, reconciliation, and really re- lasting reinstatement of relationship. And I make a differentiation between those two things. Um, a reinstated relationship is where we have, in, in, in the idea of Jewish times, shalom, or we have the peace, a reinstated relationship that way, um, where sometimes we can have reconciliation and not necessarily reinstated uh, relationships. And that would be in those extreme cases where either repentance hasn't come uh, or, you know, violence or, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's very important, and it's a turning. It's confessing and forsaking our sin, not just confessing our sin, but it's turning from our sin to the newness of life that Christ provides. Mm-hmm. Bri- Brian Noble is my guest. His book is Living Reconciled, Seven Ways to Bring Peace to Your Most Difficult Relationships. He was nice enough to make five copies of his book available. If you'd like to get in on the drawing to get one, all you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. We just have about a minute left, Brian. And at the end of Living Reconciled, you do include 31 devotions, so the readers have a deliberate plan for moving forward. Uh, That sounds like a very helpful tool. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, the key to the the devotionals, I encourage people to do it. It, A lot of this is muscle memory so that you build spiritual discipline. And so the day-to-day for 31 days is going through and saying, you know, I'm going to focus in on this relationship and seeing God heal it through his word. And therefore, I'm going to take the time to answer the questions and to meditate on God's character and his word and his presence with me. And so that's the point of the 31 days is to to move beyond just a one reading of a book and say, you know, for a period of time, I'm going to to really see God at work in this relationship that that may be less than ideal. And so, um, yeah, I I hope that it encourages a lot of people. I know putting it together, it's challenged me in areas um, to say, God, I want to take that next step of of, uh, maturity in you and to grow in what you have for me to be as a man of God. Yeah, it's a great attitude. Brian, thank you so much for taking time today. It's been a delight meeting you. Uh, It's been a delight meeting you too, Bill. Thanks so much. Brian Noble's been my guest. His book is Living Reconciled, Seven Ways to Bring Peace to Your Most Difficult Relationships. Again, I've got five copies to give away of Brian's book. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We're going to talk about prayer next and resetting our prayer life for 2022 with Beverly Canaris. 
you made any New Year's resolutions or if there's things you want to get serious about this year, but when it comes to prayer, I think it's always good at the beginning of the year to say to yourself, how am I doing in the prayer department and do I have to maybe reboot? And I think today is going to be a great opportunity to get some encouragement from Beverly Canary. She's my guest. She is was a former BSF teaching leader for over 30 years and is also co-host of a blog called She Is Becoming, regular guest on the show. Always glad to have her. Bev, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Great to be here. Yeah, I think it's time to talk about Reboot for 2022. It is a, it is a reboot. Okay, and let's do I, it. I, I always want to examine this area of my life. I'm thinking I might not be the only one who wants to grow uh, in their prayer life here in 2022. You know, I always feel there's always more to know and experience with prayer and with the Lord. So I love reading about prayer. I like seeing all the promises in the Bible about prayer. However, I don't know about you, Bill, but for me, this is a real battleground. Mm. And I find most Christians battle this area. You know, we can so easily, we can jump into our day without speaking with God. How often we can be confronted with, with an issue and just do what we think without even seeking the Lord in prayer. Or how much more natural is it to worry instead of to pray? That's something we do. Even reading the Bible, I find, is less of a battle than having quality time in prayer with the Lord. You know, the disciples watched Jesus pray, and Jesus taught about prayer. And so they came to him one day and asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. They didn't ask him to teach him much, but this was one of the very specific things they wanted to know more about, and so do we. So that's the point of today. Jesus responded to their request with uh, giving them an example, which is the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father Prayer. And this prayer, interesting enough, really reflects the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So... How that happens in the Lord's Prayer is we begin prayer with an acknowledgement of who God is, focusing our attention on Him, and then we are better prepared to speak our requests for our neighbor and for ourselves. So we have to have that right perspective of who He is, and that's how the Lord's Prayer starts. Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come. Prayer is a means of really loving God as God loves us and we are to love others. This prayer really encourages us to bring all of our needs and concerns to God. The Lord's Prayer also encourages us to pray for others and also to pray for protection from the lies and the temptations of Satan, our enemy. Um, We can grow in our prayer life by looking into models that are found in the Bible. There are lots and lots of prayers naturally in the Bible of people speaking to God. You can get lists. You can get books. Many, many books have been written on all the prayers of the Bible that are very inspiring. But if you want to just stick with your Bible, the book of Psalms is all really mainly prayers. And they can be at times the expression of your heart and your needs to God. So I, you know, if you want to up your prayer life a little bit, reboot it, I think a great place to start is to start reading and then praying through those Psalms. Mm-hmm. Another way we can really learn to pray or to reboot, Bill, for this 
new year is we we will learn to pray as we pray. Uh, We can learn to pray as we listen to others praying. That's very helpful. Praying with others, I have found to be so enriching. That's where I really learned to pray. When I was with a group of women, listening to them pray, and I remember thinking, I'm never going to say one word out loud because they're so good. I can't pray like them. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It, it, and that happens to people. We don't want to speak out loud for the Lord in prayer. but And it can be very intimidating when you're a novice in a group that has such fervor, as we would say, and even beauty, that we hesitate. But yet you wonder, am I going to, I, am I going to acknowledge him before people or not? Christ really challenged his disciples to that. Are you going to acknowledge me before the Father? And I think learning to and be willing to pray um, more than just to yourself quietly is, is something we all want to be participating in. Um, I don't know if have you experienced that, Bill, the intimidation of praying in a group? Um, I have not really experienced that. Maybe I did a long time ago, but I don't so much anymore. But whenever I think of somebody feeling intimidated, I always think of uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, where he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? You know, mm. not everyone's mm-hmm. super uh, eloquent. Some people are very blunt and right to the point. Yes. And I appreciate that. I really do. I, I do Sometimes too. you hear people pray, you say, come on, get on with it. Who are you praying to, God or to people, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if you do expose yourself to learning and hearing and noticing how other people are praying, you will find your own prayer life enriched. And pretty soon you can get comfortable praying out loud. And you really are doing it unto God anyway, and you don't have to worry about other people when you're praying in a group. So, uh, you know, as we, we are really speaking to him as we pray, and we have to remember that prayer is not a mini sermon or a continuation of the teaching we've just done for the listeners. I think that can be a real problem when we start praying to people and trying to get our points across to people rather than offering up a, a really a heartfelt prayer. So prayer isn't a time either to kind of exhibit your ability to pray beautifully, but it's to be heartfelt. It's to be really an interaction between you and God. And it can be long and it can be short. I love the Apostle Peter, his, his prayer. When he was sinking in the water, did he say, oh, Father in heaven, please, I ask you at this moment, my <laughs> feet are sinking into yes. the mud. What did he say? No, he said, Lord, help. That's a prayer. Yeah, that's That's a prayer. That's a prayer. You know, there's those arrow prayers, and then there's the longer, really a heart-pouring-out kind of prayers. And then when we have so many things on our hearts and minds, that can can get lengthy as well. And then there's this kind of running, ongoing conversation that we can have with God. And all of that is prayer. Sometimes we limit ourselves in how what we think prayer is. Well, the Bible has so much to teach us about prayer, so let's look at a few of these verses. A great place to start, a verse I love, John 15, 7, is this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, ask, and it will be given to you. Now, we mostly hear in that verse the promise that whatever we ask will be given us. Um, However, look at how the verse starts with two conditions to this kind of answered prayer. If you remain in me, what does that mean? That means that we are living our life with Christ 
as our Lord and our King, remaining in him. Remember, John 15 is this chapter on the vine. Then he said, if my words remain in you, this means we are living our lives in accordance with God's word, the Bible. So his word remains in us as we read, study, obey, walk according to his word. So that is uh, what we could call conditions, but I want to call these, rather than conditions, I really call them rails for answered prayer. You know, God, in his great wisdom, has guarded this powerful gift of answered prayer to those who pray according to the will and character of God found in the Bible and those who are depending on him. So Jesus gave the illustration of a father giving bread to a son, that the son is asking for bread, and he said, surely the father is not going to give him a snake. So what he was really revealing there to us is this is God's heart. God is eager to answer our prayers. He is willing. He is generous, even promising us to give us above and beyond what we ask or could even think. So Mm. sometimes we think God is kind of grudgingly doling out a crumb here or there for us. He's not like that at all. He is not super generous. Let's talk about a few other of these rails for answered prayer in the Bible. Um, Let's talk about Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. These are both examples of confession and repentance in prayer after sin. So if you are struggling with um, guilt and you really need to talk to the Lord about this, if this needs to be a focus of your prayer, Turn to Psalm 32. Turn to Psalm 51. You will find words there to help you express your heartfelt confession and then repentance to the Lord. Um, Now, the scriptures do tell us if we are hiding sin in our heart, our prayers will be hindered. So that means that if you are sinning in a deliberate and a repeated, hard-hearted way, your prayers are going to be affected by that. Mm. It it kind of becomes like a, a blockage in that prayer time. Even husbands are told if they don't treat their wives properly, that um, their prayers may be hindered. So, so there are warnings about God not listening to our prayers because of that sin problem. Now, does that mean that God never listens to us uh, when we're praying? Um, if we have a sin in our life, not at all. But there, he knows the difference between a real um, hard-hearted rebellion and perpetual sin and most likely, if you're in that state, you're not going to be praying anyway, truthfully, because you don't want to draw near to someone who is holy uh, when you have sin in your life. John 14, Jesus tells us an, another rail is to pray in his name. And what does that mean, to pray in his name? Well, it means praying because of who Jesus is and who he is to you. So praying in Jesus' name is not like a magic bullet at the end of our prayers. Uh, Praying in Jesus' name is praying on his behalf by his righteousness and his authority, and really not our own, of course. So when you go in someone else's name, you go with who they are in order to gain access uh, to whatever you want to be doing. And that's what he means by praying in his name. James 1 6 and 7 tells us to pray in faith. This just is believing God hears and answers prayer, believing in God. Um, Now, James gave us some very specific instructions here. It, It reads this way, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt 
because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So we want to have an understanding that God can answer this. He's willing to answer this prayer. Now, what do you do if you don't have that faith? If you just like, I doubt God is going to answer this prayer. Um, you can ask the Lord for more faith. We have examples of that in Scripture where people come to Jesus and they and he says, it can only be done by faith. And the man said back to Jesus, increase my faith. And that can be our heart, heart cry, too. I, I'm having trouble believing here, Lord. Just increase my faith. And he's happy to answer that prayer, believe me. Well, the Bible also encourages us to pray, as we're told in Romans 8, that the Spirit of God prays for us. So when we become a Christian, uh, we receive the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us. And this is really the uh, third person of the Trinity. It is also the presence of Jesus Christ, his presence as well in our life. And so this says that the Spirit of God prays for us. So, Bill, as you and I are on our knees praying to God, and we're trying to pray the best we know how and communicate with this holy and wonderful God, he takes those prayers and it just kind of molds and shapes them and brings them into the Father's presence. I love that. He is praying for us. He knows us inside and out, you might say. And so his prayers that he's praying for us and that he is how he takes our prayers before the Father is super encouraging, at least to me, um, that I have an advocate there and that advocate is the very Spirit of God. Well, that's a, this is a great reset, Bev, as we talk about prayer. We also want to let you know that if you have a prayer request for us, let us know what it is. You can always send your request to our text line at 877-933-2484. And also, before we go to a, a break, I want to have Rosie talk a little bit about Set Apart, because you're involved in that, Rosie. I am. I love being part of the Set Apart uh, committee. And it is a women's conference that's gone on, Bill, can you believe it, for 40 years right here at the university's campus. This year, we are focusing on um, the sustainability of how God sustains us. And if you want to be a part of Set Apart, Susie, um, our own Susie Larson is a keynote. So is uh, Carmen will be there, as well as Nina Barnes and Rebecca Lyons. So if you'd like to set up for the or sign up for the Set Apart Conference, it's March 4th and 5th. And you can do that at setapartconference.com. All right, let's uh, take a very short uh, break. And then we'll continue talking about resetting our prayer life with Beverly Canaris. My guest is Beverly Canaris as we're talking about resetting our prayer life in 2022. She is a former BSF teaching leader and co-host of a blog called She Is Becoming. And Bev, I'm so relieved that the Holy Spirit will pray on our behalf. Sometimes we're at a place oh. where we got nothing. And, and we the got Lord, nothing. Yeah, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit steps up and prays for us. I love that. I love that thought. I do too. Um, that is such a wonderful promise from Romans 8. But also, Bill, in Hebrews 7, it said that Jesus is praying for us as well. It says that, in fact, it says he ever lives to make intercession for us, his people. 
So when we pray, we are connecting the Trinity to our lives. In every prayer, we have connection to the Trinity. Think of the privilege that is. Think of how, what a, a, a joy that should be for us. We pray to the Father. Jesus started out the Lord's Prayer, Father, through the Son, in Jesus' name, in other words, and in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit praying in us and through us. So that's a big thought to me, that prayer actually connects us with the Trinity. Yeah, that Jesus is praying for us, that turns the world upside down. Right side up. Well, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I meant. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we, we've talked uh, earlier about the rails that um, are on prayer, um, the rails that are the, the conditions, you might say, of, of abiding with him, of being in his word, of praying in his name, praying with faith, praying with your sins confessed. Um, these uh, are really rails on prayer, and they're meant to guard against manipulation of God. Not that he could ever be manipulated, but on our part, we could think we're manipulating God. And prayer is the farthest thing from manipulation. Rather, it really is about a relationship and communication within that relationship. It's a place we can pour out our hearts, where we can call on God's help, his power, his wisdom. And prayer, mostly, is a time to get to know him. Mm-hmm. That's my most intimate time with him, would have to be prayer. And then after that, worship. I, I really think prayer is that essential in my um, in that heart relationship that I have with him on a regular basis. Now, just, you know, as we start, think about our prayer life, where we're at with our prayer life now in this new year, we, we want to look at the different forms of prayer. There's worship, there's thanksgiving, there's confession, and then there's what's called petition, or this is the time that you ask God, petitioning him for things. Uh, there's an acronym, A-C-T-S, ACTS that really is helpful for me as I pray. I start out praising and worshiping God for who he is. I go into Thanksgiving, thanking him for everything, a lot of things, whatever is really on my heart that day. And then going into confession, I make sure I confess sin every day. I try to write it down even. Sometimes I write in code so that nobody else knows what it is. (laughs) Um, And then the petition part, of course. But it's easy just to jump into the petition And at times that's appropriate. But when you are having your regular, if you have this beautiful regular time with God, you want to make sure that you you just make it as full as you can with these different aspects of prayer and the different aspects you see modeled in Scripture. So we have to ask ourselves, are these a regular part of our prayers? Do we worship? Do we give thanks? Do we confess our sin? Are we willing to ask? Sometimes people are hesitant to ask. They, they think God is too busy. God doesn't want to give something so small in my life. Or, or maybe you're angry at God and you, you, you stop asking him for things because you've been disappointed, whatever it might be. So maybe you need to go back to taking on one of these forms and adding it back into your prayer life. Let's talk about the petition aspect of prayer. And the question is, how do you remember what you have wanted to pray about? As my children were growing up, I just was so concerned that I wanted to be praying a lot of things regularly for them. You know, a a future spouse, um, direction for their life, that they would love God's word, that they would grow in holiness, that they would love prayer, that they'd have godly friends. 
there wasn't, I needed to be praying those things con- consistently. So I did keep lists and I still keep prayer lists. Uh, some people don't find them helpful. I find them very helpful because I want to remember and I want to be praying those very important things that are heavy on my heart every day. Um, so that's helpful. And then what about the people who say, would you pray for me? Or you've said to them, I'll pray for you mm-hmm. about that. How do you remember? How do you stay faithful um, if if you don't write it down? Now, I know some people use the method. They'll say, I will pray for you when you come to mind. And that kind of releases it, so it's not um, not as serious of a commitment. But I think jotting things down, I've seen men carry lists of people they're praying for in their wallet, real small and just tucked away, but it's always there, and they always go back to it. So there's many different ways. It just depends on the, your personality and the way you like to organize things. But I do think you have to have some kind of uh, way to remember what you want to pray. Um, so I really do find it helpful. I have a prayer book, and I've got different categories. I've got my my family. I've got the church things. I've got mentoring in there. I have a section for my prayer group, um, a section for leaders. So that helps me remember uh, the things I want to be praying about for these people. Also, I journal, and that helps me to pray every day as well. So as I read the Bible, then I pick a passage that God really touched my heart with that day, and I write it down word for word, and then I pray to God about that verse, and maybe I'll use that verse even to start my prayers for my family, and then I'll do a, I'll uh, highlight an attribute, a blessing, a confession, and an application of that verse that really stood out to me. So all of that kind of helps me get started into my prayer life um, before I get into the more specific things. So that journaling helps me to pray. And some people are really good at writing out their prayers, or some really like to speak them out loud. So you kind of have to find your own (laughs) method, um, your own way that really helps you to um, be faithful and to want to pray and, and have that fellowship time with the Lord every day. I find, too, that small groups are helpful in learning to pray and praying for others. I'm in a small prayer group, and the six of us pray for each other. And I know they're praying for me, so that makes me feel accountable. Make sure I'm praying for them. It's also helpful if you have a person you're you're close to and shares your faith that you can say, you know, let's keep track of our Bible time and our prayer time for the next month. And just be accountable to each other and just share those things with each other for the next month. That really helps. Um, one gal in my prayer group and I did that for a month, and that was very insightful and very helpful to me. It helped me reboot or reset that prayer time that I I kept slipping on. So that helps, too, if you have a good Christian friend you can do that with. Maybe you text each other each morning or something. Um, I want to talk to you about an example of answered prayer from the Bible that I just read in Genesis this week. I, I love this story. It's found in the 24th chapter of Genesis. It's Abraham is instructing his senior servant to go back to his homeland and select a wife for his son, Isaac. And he was very specific how he was to do this. He was to go and he was to um, to bring this girl back from Abraham's family home area and to bring her back to, to marry Isaac, his son. 
Now, the, the servant, obviously, hey, that's a big responsibility. He was wondering about how that was going to happen. And Abraham said to him, the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household, my native man, land, who spoke and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son there. So, wow, Abraham had the faith, didn't he, to send his servant there to, yeah. to bring back this wife uh, for his son Isaac. That's a great illustration. You know, Bev, we're a little bit out of time. We just have a minute left. Maybe you've got some uh, quick advice for someone who's so overwhelmed with caretaking and caregiving. What is a simple thing they could do? Well, I tell you, I think the simplest thing you can do is to pray on the spot. Yeah. Pray where you are. Pray what you're doing. Offer up these kind of um, arrow prayers when you need them all the time. Develop this running conversation. I think that is one of the most helpful things you can do uh, when you're um, when you're in the middle of a situation like that. Memorize scripture. Go back to some of these promises uh, from the Word that are so encouraging. In First Peter, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous; He is attentive. To their prayers. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Yeah. God is attentive. God is there. It's the best part of your day. Lay all your burdens down. He's always listening. Yeah. Bev, thank you so much. You've certainly encouraged all of us to reboot our prayer life. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Bill. You bet. Beverly Canaris has been my guest. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you for spending time with me. I am already looking forward to our time tomorrow. Have a great night. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.